Gentlemen and ladies, girls and boys, welcome to Rebrand, the number one rated podcast coming out of the Holston Communications space. In today's pod, Ben's going to share all about his upcoming trip to Uganda and how he plans to capture and tell stories of ministry with the South Sudanese people. Both of us are going to talk about the project planning and messaging, and at the end, Ben is going to share a juicy secret you won't want to miss. Once again, Tim doesn't read the copy that I wrote. I'm sure that's what it says. I can't wait to hear this secret, though. One day. One day he'll write his own intro. (laughs) So let's jump right into it. Ben, tell us what you're going to be doing. Yeah. I'm leaving a week from yesterday. I'm within a week of of the trip um, on a a trip for the Holson Foundation, where we will be um, going over to Uganda and meeting with all of the South Sudanese pastors, the district superintendent, all of the uh, staff who work with the Children of Grace program, um, formerly Grace Home Orphanage in South Sudan. Um, So my job as a part of that trip will be to collect um, via video, audio, photography, um, stories of ministry, stories of um, struggle and hardship, stories of um, sadness, of success, of sorrow, um, all around the South Sudanese people um, and the United Methodist Church presence um, there in South Sudan and now in Uganda. I'm excited. It's a big It's a big task. It is a big task. That, that sounds like a lot. So how do you classify this? What, what type of uh, production or project? I mean, what, what do we call this? Yeah, I mean, the closest thing I can think of is um, going back to my time at UT in the journalism department. I did a lot of, of um, study and a lot of work on documentary production mm-hmm. and micro-documentary, micro-doc production. Um, so I, I'm looking at this as an opportunity to flex some of those muscles, um, which I don't get to do as often as I, as yeah. I used to. So tell me, what, what's the difference between... Um, a regular full-length documentary and a microdoc. Well, Tim, a microdoc is shorter than a regular documentary. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you let me write your questions for you. Wow. No, I'm. I'm. There's. I mean that that is certainly true. That is it. But um, I think a microdoc is usually much more um, specific in its focus than a documentary. So you may have a documentary on the life of a person or mm-hmm. on, um, you know, Ken, Ken Burns does documentaries, right? And, and Ken Burns will do, he, his last one was on um, the Civil War. And he took like four or five years to produce this thing. I, mean, I think even longer, but but they were in production for like four or five years, and the whole documentary in in total was like eight hours long or something. Wow! And it's it's about the entire Civil War, so a documentary can span a much larger topic, a much more complex topic. A micro doc is usually about something far more specific. So if you're looking at a at a person, it may be um, one specific. Um, situation that a person had to go through, or if you're looking at a conflict, or like like if if we're looking at the Civil War, then then maybe a microdoc would focus in on 
um, one specific person's experience in the Civil War, or or it would focus on like one one new piece of technology that was invented during the war or something like that. So microdoc microdocs often are serial. So okay. so you will have um, a whole bunch of microdocs that kind of work together to share a story, and so that is really what drew me towards the idea of of looking at this project more as um, from the microdoc lens is that it it really is a complex story our the the united methodist church's um presence in south sudan and um even specifically holston's relationship with with the umc churches and pastors in south sudan is long and complex mm-hmm. um i have been preparing and learning as much as i can in the last not very, I mean, I learned I was going on this trip a month ago, yeah. six weeks yep. ago, maybe. So in the last six weeks, I've really been doing a lot of studying up and, and I still don't really understand the whole scope of, of sure. what we've done in the last 20 years mm-hmm. that, that Holston has been really, really integrated in the work there. But moral of the story, it's complex. And so if I try to go over there for, I'm there for 13 days. If I try to go over there and tell the whole story of the 20 years of ministry that's been happening there. I mean, since we've been involved, ministry was happening there long before we were there. Right. Um, I would fail at that mission. There's no way I'm able to do that. But what I can do is highlight some of the individual stories of ministry, of lives changed, of um, hardship, of enduring, um, of humanity, of Christ at work there. I can highlight some of those stories, and my hope, my goal is that the summation of those stories will start to paint a picture of the ministry that's happening there. Gotcha. So from a start-to-finished project, um, what what can we expect? As, as you go over, you get what the, the stories that you want, you, you film them, you start producing them. Are we going to be looking at this as maybe 5, 10, 15, 20-minute episodes? Or is this going to be a, a, an hour-long project that has all of these stories mm-hmm. involved? Or is that still evolving? That's a great question, and I will be happy to answer that as soon as I get back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, impo- I, it's impossible to know. The, the more planning I do, the more I realize I can... I can only do so much. I mean, the nature of this trip, I don't really know who I'm going to be able to talk to, who, who I'll have the opportunity to, mm. to, to spend time with, um, what they will share with me, what, what we will see, what I'll be able to capture on camera. Um, and, and what I would miss if I planned it all ahead of time. Yeah. Um, there's just so much unknown that to go in with a whole, uh, a whole outline for a documentary planned out would be a, would be a disservice, um, and so we'll see. My goal, I'll I'll say my my goal is to have one one kind of larger piece that tells as much of the um, timeline, the history, the story, the events as they unfolded um, for Holston's ministry in South mm-hmm. Sudan and in Uganda. Um, that is what I was originally asked to do. So that's priority number one. Um, 
beyond that, I want to tell as many stories, individual stories about people um, as possible. My, in my head, those are probably like five minute little, little mini pieces, little mini vignettes. episodes, yep. vignettes about um, specific people. I've been told um, our driver who works for, um, for the UMC there, who, who I think works for the, the um, Children of Grace um, okay. orphanage, mm-hmm. um, Alex will will i mean everyone i talk to says you have to you have to talk to alex he's the guy you need to talk to um and the the ds who was recently appointed there um is on the list of people to talk to um there's another guy named mandela who has been a friend of the umc over there for a long time who i some in holston will be familiar with he came over and spoke at conference and um so i have all i have a long list of people who i've been told have good stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm going into this my my job is just being to capture their stories, to let them to give them the opportunity to share their story um and and not try to direct or um interpret for them, but to let them tell their story and my job is just don't get in the way. <laughs> and capture and edit it such that it gets to the widest audience possible. Yeah. Because it's their story and they're the ones that should be telling it. So, What do you know currently about your agenda or itinerary? Do you know kind of where you're going and um, how long you're in the different areas? Um, I sure do. All right. So uh, we we're flying out of Atlanta. Um, so we'll get to Atlanta. I mean, it basically is like 36 hours of travel before we okay. before we get anywhere. Um, we will fly into Entebbe, which is the capital, and then we'll drive to Arua. It will, we'll, we'll take a 10-hour van ride across, basically from um, the south of Uganda all the way up to the very top north of Uganda um, to Arua, which is very close to the South Sudanese border. Okay. Um, and outside of Arua is where all of these refugee camps are. Gotcha. And I say all of these, plural, but it's it's kind of just one area um, and these separate refugee camps kind of just blend together. So it's, okay. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of people in refugee camps, a lot of them from South Sudan, um, but more and more. I mean, these camps have been around now for well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak. They've been around for for quite a while, and so they they have have started pulling pe- people from all the surrounding countries. Okay. Um. But yeah, so so we'll go to Arua, and there's a compound there, um, a, a a ministry house where um some of our team will stay, um our kind of our team leaders will stay. A number of us will stay in a hotel just outside in in Arua. We'll we'll get to meet with all of the children of grace, which in South Sudan. See here, th- this is how story. To- this is how the storytelling has been done to me. We start talking about one thing, and then I say, "Oh wait, I need to back up and tell you about this thing." <laughs> and oh wait, if I'm going to tell you about this thing, I need to back up and tell you about this thing. And so now I find myself storytelling in the same way because sure. it it's you know there's all this like backstory to backstory to backstory. So we'll meet with the children of grace, which. Um, when they were still, when everything was still happening in um, South Sudan, 
we had an orphanage there that Holston founded an orphanage called Grace Home for Children. And um, when, when everyone had to flee South Sudan and come into Uganda, um, these, these kids at the refugee camp came across as well. And, and the story of just getting these, these kids out of South Sudan is full of miracles and perseverance and sacrifice. It, it is an amazing story in it of itself. Um, one that I am nervous to be able to tell. Oh, just absolutely. Because it is every time I hear it and I, and from different perspectives, um, it gives me chills every single time. Mm. And, and the idea of having to, <laughs> of having to communicate that in video scares me a lot I, to do it justice. Yeah. Um, that is an amazing story. Um, but we'll get to meet with some of these kids who were in the orphanage who are now kind of scattered across the refugee camps. Um, all of them are being taken care of by um, former um, employees of the orphanage. And, and the path to get to where they are now has been full of miracles in and of itself. They, we weren't allowed to set up an orphanage in the camp and so they're technically, legally, um, they, are, they were adopted by staff people of the orphanage. And so now these, these homes um, of individuals have four or five or six of these kids each. And okay. so they kind of separated them out. And, and it, I mean, they, they basically found families. They made families for these kids. Um, and that was the only way to keep them together to keep them safe um, in these or in these uh, refugee camps. So we'll get to meet with all of them. They don't often get to come together um, as all of these, all of the kids and all the families, but um, they're all the pieces are being moved together to, to get them to come to the mission house and have a, have kind of a reunion of sorts. And, and we get to be a part of that. And then we'll, we'll meet, um, with some of the staff of the UMC churches and um, pastors um, in Uganda, um, these these South Sudanese pastors that have been um, growing and developing and and really planting all of these new churches, um, we will get to go into a refugee camp for a day. We'll meet with some of the um, the caregivers of the Children of Grace, so these people who worked for the um, orphanage who then legally adopted these kids to keep them safe um, and hear from them what, how, how we can assist them and, um, and hear some of their story. So it's a lot of, it's a lot, this trip is a lot of meeting, um, meeting people and hearing stories so that we can come back and share those stories with Holston. With a trip like this, going overseas, so much travel is involved. How do you prepare from an equipment standpoint? What are you taking? What aren't you taking? How do you get your your equipment from point A to point B? This is a new area for me. Um, I have not been on a trip like this where I am so far from home doing full full production quality um, video work. And so... I'm used to taking loading my car with equipment as backups, and I might need this. I might I might want a gimbal. I might want a drone. You know, something. I have to be a lot more selective in this trip, um, and so I it's the bare bones. I think it's um, 
two cameras, two two mirrorless DSLR style cameras, and lenses to go with those. Um, a, a couple microphones, camera mounted shotgun mics, several uh, lav clip on lav mics, wireless mics to do kind of interview stuff. Um, I'm not taking a gimbal. I'm taking a phone gimbal. So if I want, if I like in a car or something and want to get some moving shots, I can use my phone. Yeah. Explain um, that a little bit for, for folks who may not know what a gimbal is. Oh yeah. 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 So if you're watching a Hollywood movie, let's do this. If you're watching a Hollywood movie and there's like a car chase or a, a big action scene and everything's moving quickly, you're in a, you're in a car or something, but the video is smooth and it's not shaky and bumpy. Like if you were sitting in the passenger seat of a car holding your phone, it's going to be shaky and bumpy. Yep. A gimbal is uh, electronically stabilizes um, your camera. All the equipment that I'm taking is going to fit into one backpack, which um, I haven't packed it yet. So, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. I think really what I've learned is that, especially in situations like this, the the quality of equipment is not the priority. Yeah, being in the right place, um, talking to the right people. And I mean, I think there's some, there's some degree of skill in, in using whatever equipment you have to tell stories well. And so the, the best storytellers will tell you that it doesn't matter what camera you have. And I don't know if that's completely true. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm still taking a pretty good camera. I'm taking two pretty good cameras. Um, but you know, I have a few cameras here to choose from, and I'm taking the small ones. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I have the tools that I'm taking are good enough, and that's all that matters. Probably the most important question I'm going to ask you today: What are you going to do without me? Oh man, I don't know. I I was thinking I might find like an elephant. No, actually, that's not true. I might find a hippo uh-huh. and name him Tim. Oh, yeah, or her, him or her. Uh, either way, yeah. It makes me think about the uh, the Madagascar movie uh, where they're like, I like them chunky. <laughs> I like them round. Are you saying I'm fat? No, I'm saying that you're... Um, chunky? No, if you'll let me speak. Round? I'm saying that your, um, your attitude and your personality mm-hmm. is uh, so well-rounded. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what makes me think of that. And this is why you're our storyteller. <laughs> it's called metaphor. It's called imagery. Uh, well, <laughs> y- you do an okay job with that. When I was in school, I did a documentary on a student at UT who um, was a Marine and came back from, I think, three tours with severe PTSD mm. and was really struggling to go to get through school um he i mean he he would have kind of episodes in class and um he he drank a lot and had some suicidal thoughts and i mean he was not in a great place um one of my classmates befriended him and and got really close to him and so we were able to to really hear a lot of his story that he would not have otherwise shared um but he started every day that he came to school. He started, he, he parked three miles off campus and walked into campus 
Wow. For a number of reasons. He, I mean, on, on its face, the first time I asked him about it, he said that it was a safety precaution, which doesn't totally make sense. And he admitted later on that like that doesn't really make <laughs> doesn't really make sense. But it, I think it was a way for him to prepare to be around people. Gotcha. So he had an hour maybe um, to prepare himself for the world. And so throughout this, I think it ended up being like a 20-minute documentary. The whole thing, the whole, his whole story as we were telling it was about him um, finding a way to come back to society, to, to find normal, a, a return to what he remembered, yeah. but didn't know how to get to. And so that's, for the whole story, that's, that's I mean, there's the, there's the summary, right? That's the story that we're telling. So then throughout, at each of these chapters, we cut back to him walking on his way to school. And so those two things paralleled. So we had his return to society is the real story that we're telling. But throughout this whole microdoc, we're showing him returning to campus. We're showing this walk, him preparing to go to campus. So that imagery is paired with the real story that we're trying to tell. And so that's one of my goals is I get back into flexing this documentary um, muscles that I haven't been able to use in the last couple of years. How do I start to find some of those storytelling techniques again um, in real time? And that's the kind of that that is what will be difficult on this trip, because that's not something I can plan and prepare right. for. That's an in the moment thing. Yeah. But it's something that's really exciting. That's what makes film captivating is when your imagery lines up with um, the storytelling that you're doing. You've got the the planned trip, which you leave again a week from yesterday. Yep. You'll be there for 13, 14 days. Yep. Uh, you'll get your video. You'll get your stories. You'll come back. You'll begin to uh, go through the production and post-production phases. Mm -hmm. What kind of time frame are we looking at before we will have a, a, a product that we'll be able to send out to Holston? Who knows? I, I don't. Um I don't know. I mean, there's not, I don't have a hard deadline. I'd like to start getting stuff out as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think some of those smaller stories, those, the vignettes, those can start to come out soon. I hope um, soon after I come back the larger story. Um, I don't know. I would love to get that out. I, I think we'll take some time to do, yeah. and there will probably be some more, media collection, even once I'm back, um, interviewing with some of the ministry leaders here in Holston, mm -hmm. um, who are stateside. Um, so I don't know. I, I would love to have that done before the new year. Okay. That would be, I think that's, that's a goal for me, a self-imposed goal. Sure. I'll probably blow past it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, your your passion behind this is is something else. It's, it's neat to be sitting across the table from you, and um, I, I wish we had this on video so people could actually see just how you light up when you begin to talk about this and the energy that's behind what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to 
not just seeing the finished product, but also to follow up with you and to, to see how things went. Some of the, the mountaintop experiences, some of the valleys, not just from a, a mission trip perspective, but specifically from a production perspective to see, you know, unfortunately we can't plan for the roadblocks that we run into, but there will be roadblocks yeah. that, that, that you hit. So. Likely, likely literal, literal yes. blocks, you know, yes. There may be a hippo in the road. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Name Tim. Name Tim. Well, he will be soon. <laughs> I mean, I, I could keep talking about documentary and about this trip for uh, for hours longer, but um, I'm getting I'm getting the the motion that it's time to wrap this thing up. So uh, I am really excited about going on this trip and um, getting to flex some of those creative muscles that I don't get to use quite as as often anymore. Pending internet access in Uganda, I hope to be able to share some pictures, maybe some clips um, with you all. So um, right now, big release. Here we go. Big release. Big release. Is this the secret? This is the... Oh, yeah. This is the secret. This is the secret. Here's the secret. Rebrand is finally on Instagram. You can find us right now by searching for rebrand underscore pod on Instagram. I will be, assuming I can get internet, I'll be putting up some pictures and videos of the trip there um, on stories, on reels, on, you know, all the things. Um, So if you're interested in keeping up with my trip to Uganda, follow us on Instagram. Smash that follow button on Instagram. Also, while you're at it, smash that subscribe button for us here on the podcast and you can check us out on our website, rebrandpodcast.com, not .org, because that's the other one. <laughs> that's it for this episode. See you next week. Bye. Bye.